Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real life Christian church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. And today we look at this lie. And the lie is that God doesn't care. And that's in so many people's minds, not just unsaved people, you and me too. I mean, we think like that. Another lie of Satan is evolution. And evolution today has taken some real hits because more and more people are saying that there, there had to be a God. There has to be a God. There has to be someone to make that very first thing that's only rational. It only makes sense. Uh, the something, the first thing, can't come from nothing. So there had to be God. Whatever that thing was, he had to make it. Even if you believe in a big bang, there had to be something to go bang and explode. Somebody had to create that first thing. And that's how people are thinking today. And Satan is very, very crafty, and he knows that. So he says, all right, so God made the first thing. I'll give you that. That's fine. There is a God who made the first thing. Then Satan initiated another lie. And his demons are spreading this all over the world. And the lies, yeah, God made the first thing. I'll give you that. But then he took, evolution took over and he took off. He's not here. God's out of the picture. He made laws to govern the creation, laws of thermodynamics, laws of um, gravity and stuff like that. But now he's gone and you live in a mechanistic world. God created laws to govern the creation, but he's not part of it. And he doesn't care, see. And you don't know how many people believe that nonsense. So many people fall prey to that lie. And this is from devils, too. There's so many people in the world with so many problems, God can't possibly be concerned about you. I mean, let's say you need a hip replacement or something like that that would improve your quality of life, but man, you're 74 years old, and so, and so you're not sure if you should have the. I mean, you can live with a little pain if you have to the rest of your life, and so you ask God, should I have this hip replacement or not? Well, why even pray? That's what devils tell you. Why even pray? God doesn't care about your stupid little hip. I mean, he's got so many other things to worry about. I mean, just look at all the missionaries in these Muslim countries being tortured and killed. I mean, God's got that to worry about. God has to deal with Vladimir Putin in Russia. Guys, to think about all these homeless people. I mean, you go to a Lions ball game. How many does Ford Field hold? About 50-some thousand? Every one of those 50,000-some people has, has an issue that they're dealing with. Go to any stadium in the world. All these people, all these massive crowds all have issues they're dealing with. I mean, how can God, I mean, how can God care about your hip or your athlete's foot? or the thing that really bothers you, stuff like that. It is so subtle, it is deception, and it works. Believe me, ladies and gentlemen, that lie works. How can God listen to all these prayers and deal with every issue? Do you see the lie? The lie that God doesn't care, but do you, do you see that there's a bigger lie there? The bigger lie is God simply can't handle all the stuff that comes at him every day, there's just too much. In other words, God is limited, see? That's, that's the bigger lie. He has to let the lesser stuff go, and whatever's going on in your life is not really important. That's the lesser stuff. Don't you reflect this? I mean, when you have a problem going on in your life, you say, oh, well, I know there's people that have bigger problems than me. You've said that. You know what you're saying? You just said God doesn't care. I mean, you have fallen prey. Oh, I know there's people who have bigger problems than me. God doesn't care. That's exactly what you just said. 
Why do demons spread these lie, this lie? Because it leaves us afraid and nervous, that's why. I mean, the lie, the lie that God doesn't care, he's too busy, he's got more than he can handle, leaves us with a lot of anxiety. I mean, <laughs> if God didn't care about me and I'm his thing on my own, man, I'd be anxious. And it leaves us with a lot of self-pity too. And now you got to think about this. Why does Satan promote this lie? See, that God doesn't care. Because when we are robbed of joy, when we're anxious, when we're swimming in pity, I mean, what are you saying about the Christian faith? I mean, what kind of an advertisement are you for Jesus Christ? What kind of a testimony will you give to Jesus Christ? See, devils steal our joy to leave us powerless as witnesses for Jesus Christ. And that's why I call this message, it's all about God, because, because if, you, if, you under, if you even begin to understand God, even a little bit, even a little bit, his nature and his character, being afraid and nervous and all that self-pity nonsense and so little joy, that's going to take a big nosedive in your life. And there are principles to dispel this lie that God doesn't care, that he has too much going, how can he care about us? He's limited in how much he can help. And I have six of these points. And here's principle number one to dispel this lie. You've got to believe what God's word teaches. I mean, this goes right back to part one in this series, the lie that truth is relative to you. No, it isn't. The Bible is truth. We have to believe this is where God reveals himself. This is truth, folks. There are no lies in the Bible. God himself, who is holy, wrote this book using sinful men, but it's all God's truth. And then you study this book, you meditate on it, you talk about it with other people, you get real excited about the truth of God's word, and you ask yourself in every circumstance in life, what does God say about this in his word? Let's say you're really good at decorating Okay, and you, you got to ski. I mean, you coordinate things well, colors and all that stuff. And so your friend Grace at work says, oh, you're so good at decorating a home. Would you come home and help me appoint my house and, you know, tell me what colors to put on the walls and all that stuff? And Grace lives over in Novi, and you live in Sterling Heights, and your schedule is jammed. And so what are you going to do? I mean, you got to look at the Bible, man. You got to look at the biblical principle that applies, okay? I mean, what I'm saying is you're always thinking the Word of God. In that particular circumstance, you say, What does God say? What you're doing, folks, is you're thinking the Word of God. You live your life by it. So that's the first principle in dispelling this lie God doesn't care. You ask yourself, What does the Bible say? And here's what the Bible reveals about Himself in His Word. We're going to look at Psalm 139. You know, you know what? You ought to read and study and digest Psalm 139 every month. I mean, the human author of this psalm is King David of Israel. And I relate to David. He started out as a nobody, a shepherd boy. Then while he was taking some goodies to his older brothers in the army, he hears this guy Goliath challenge Israel's army. And he sees the army run and hide from Goliath. And David thinks, who is this loudmouth? To defy the name of my God, see? Then why are you guys running all, all over the place? And so David takes Goliath out with the sling and a stone, see? And Saul's the king, but David becomes the darling of Israel, see? And even though Saul's the king, people love David a whole lot more, so Saul gets very jealous, and he spends the rest of his kingship hunting David down. And then David becomes king in God's time. He does some pretty neat things. And then the Bathsheba thing. And then his own son Absalom tries to take the kingdom from him. But what I'm saying is this man, King David, the human author of Psalm 139, leaned on God and he knew God, not some distant God who didn't care two hoots about him. God forgave his sins with Bathsheba. 
He was with them through the whole Absalom ordeal. God was real. God was personal. His God and the Holy Spirit led David to, to write Psalm 139. And that leads us to principle or point number two in dispelling the lie that God doesn't care. God knows everything. And he knows you, excuse me, God knows everything and he knows you and me. You gotta, you gotta begin with God. This is all about God. This is not about us. Begin with God, his character. He knows, he knows everything and he knows you and me. And Psalm 139 verse 1 is a, is, a, is a passage you should memorize, internalize, chew on, take home with you and never forget. Psalm 139 verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. O Lord, you have searched me. You have known me. The verb know in Hebrew, what does it mean? Bible says Adam knew Eve and they had a baby. It means intimacy. It means he knows you personally, intimately. And that's how God knows us. So you tell yourself that. You talk to yourself. This is God's word. This is God's truth. He has searched me inside out. He knows me better than I know myself. What does he know about you? I mean, look at verses 2 to 4 in Psalm 139. You know when I sit, you know when I rise. You know my thoughts from afar. You know my going out every time I go out and coming, and you know my lying down. Look at this. You're familiar, or you know all, all, all my ways. God knows us. That's how he knows us. He knows you. And the devil doesn't want you to know that. I look at this story in Luke chapter 7. I've told this a couple of times in messages before, but if I have to pick a favorite story about Jesus in the whole Bible, this is my favorite story in Luke chapter 7. Jesus and his disciples are on the main road going between two large cities, probably Jericho and Jerusalem. And they're walking along this road, and there's this narrow dirt path off to the left. It says Nain, N-A-I-N, the little village of Nain, 10 miles. He says, guys, we're going to Nain. And one of his disciples pops up and says, hey, man, it's 10 miles there, 10 miles back to get back on the main road. My legs ache already. Why are we going to Nain? There's a lady in Nain, a wife and a mom. Her husband had died just a little while ago, and now her son died. No one ever introduced that lady to Jesus. No one ever told Jesus that lady was there in this little out-of-the-way village of Nain. No one ever said, there's a lady and her son's funeral is today and a month ago she lost her husband. No one ever said that. But Jesus knew. He knew how she hurt. And he cared. And everything you see in Jesus, man, you see in God the Father. And he went to her. And that moves me to say, God knows my thing. He knows exactly where I am. Man, if he, knows, if he knew this lady in some little out-of-the-way village in the middle of Nowheresville and know that she hurt, he knows me. And he went out of her way. He went out of his way. He knows, Mom, he knows real well when your baby's hurting and you hurt for that baby. He knows when there's ominous signs, the company's shutting down. You know, this company could, 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 could shut down. They could lay everybody off. And he knows the anxiety that builds up in you. He knows um, when you hear cancer. You have a mass here or a mass there, and you think, you know, I'm going to die. He knows when your wife or husband has been very, very distant, you know, and you wonder what's going on. This bolt of fear goes through you and say, man, how could I live my life without him or without her? And I look at Luke 7, 13, man, it doesn't get better than this in the Bible for me. If you're hurt in any way, it doesn't get any better than this. It says in Luke 7, 13, when the Lord saw her, this mom who just lost her boy, when the Lord saw her, here's what I love about the NIV, the translation of this word for bowels. It says literally his bowels went out to her. But, but I love the way the NIV put it. 
When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. His heart, God's heart, went out to that lady. God's heart. Now, what are you going through right now? You know, God, oh, God is so distant, you know. God doesn't care. Man, you're believing a lie. His heart goes out to you. Don't cry. Man, you got to personalize that. Don't cry. He says that to you. He knows when you sit, knows when you stand, knows when you come, knows when you go, knows your thoughts. And here's the third thing we have to know about God to dispel the lie that God doesn't care. And that's he's present everywhere. We see that in Psalm 139. The devil wants you to think God is limited. The devil wants you to believe God has to be confined to one place at one time. And that's not, the devil is confined to one place at one time. He can't be at all places at all times, but God is everywhere present. Psalm 139, beginning in verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. Listen to this. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and settle on the far side of the sea, I love this, even there. You know, if I could sprout wings and fly to some South Seattle, some distant country, if I could sprout wings, it says, even there, verse 10, Psalm 139, your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Wow. That's precious. How do I say this with proper grammar? Where isn't God? Where is God not? (laughs) The prophet Jeremiah answers that question, do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord. And this is what we teach our kids in youth discipleship class, God's omnipresence. He is present everywhere, folks. You can't hide from God. There's not a place you can go where God doesn't know where you are. His hand is not going to hold you fast. Adam tried to run. He, he couldn't run. from. He tried to hide from God. Jonah tried to hide from God. He couldn't hide from God. He's in the highest heaven. If you could sprout wings and fly to some island, he's there too. And how about this? Verse 11. Look at this. Verse 11, Psalm 139. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light becomes night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you, so night will shine like the day, and the darkness is as light to you. God will make the darkness light. And isn't it neat? Here's the neat part of God's omnipresence. Isn't it neat for you to know he's there? Girls, when your boyfriend starts hanging out with your best girlfriend, isn't it neat to know, guys, that he's there when your girlfriend comes up and says, let's just be friends? It's kind of devastating, is it? Let's just be friends. Or you're lonely. Now here's the truth of Psalm 139. God is always there, and he wraps his arms of love around you in your low, loneliest moments. And that's why I call this message, It's All About God. Demon angels or devils want you to believe God doesn't care. But these two attributes of God, God knows you right where you are. He is present everywhere. He knows you so pray. I mean, they blow that lie away. But you have to take hold of these truths. And that takes us back to principle one. The only way I know that you can take hold of this truth is to get into God's word. Ask him to reveal himself in his word. And then you dwell on these thoughts and dwell on these thoughts and dwell on these thoughts. And when you feel lonely, when you feel that God's a thousand miles away, man, you go back to the word of God and you ask God to reveal himself. And that's where truth is, man. That's where truth is. Don't believe the lies. So here's the fourth thing we need to know about... um, about dispelling the devil's lie, God doesn't care. Don't give in to fear and self-pity. I mean, why does Satan want you to believe that God doesn't care? Because, folks, he wants to shut you down. He wants to shut us down. Seriously, he wants us to know 
He wants us to believe God doesn't care because he wants to shut us down. Because if he can make us anxious and sink into self-pity, he has really shut us down because people are going to listen to you, they're going to watch you, and they're going to say, well, he or she claims to be a Christian. I mean, what good does it do them? And I do that, man. I play right into the devil's hand, man. You're anxious about something, something that hasn't happened. Why? That's the big question. Why are you anxious? I mean, we have believed the lie that God doesn't care. Somehow God's off in another world. He's not part of this. Oh, what am I going to do? Satan has made you and me joyless. He shut us down for any meaningful input into people's lives. The lie is that God doesn't care. And you believe that lie. And here is the truth. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit, when you, you know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my coming in. All my ways, all my ways are familiar with you. God knows the details. He's right there in the thick of this deal with you. He's working this to his purpose. You're good and above all his glory. And I just have to keep telling myself that, folks. I just got to, I just, there's no other way. I just got to get into here and keep reminding myself of that. And drawn on that truth to God's word and force myself not to always talk about what's making me nervous. And force myself to listen to other people and get into their lives and let them see the hope in me. And that's a matter of prayer. See, Father, you got to help me do that by your spirit to forget this thing, to get off this thing, to know who you really are. And then when I can, when I'm going through this thing and I can really get into other people's lives, I have turned this whole mess back on Satan, man. I refuse to worry. Tell yourself that. I refuse to let this thing consume me. I will not give in to this. Uh, God really cares. It's right here, devil. Here's what you say, too. Why do I get stuck with all the dirty work? <laughs> Why do I get stuck with all the dirty work? Know what you're saying? I'm all alone. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. Folks, some demon has just shut you down. Shut you down good. Psalm 139, verse 8. Where can I go from your spirit? Oh, here's, here's a great passage. If I could get some wings and fly to some island, man, settle on the other side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me. It'll hold me fast. I love that. And you can turn this thing back on Satan, too, and people don't notice, you know. Okay, so people don't notice you. So what? We should notice each other, but when they don't notice you, what do you do? You notice them. You, you, just, you notice them, okay? Just notice them. Hey, new pair of shorts. I never saw that pair of shorts on you, man. You look good. Hey, all the colors match. You're well-coordinated. See, or you told me about your daughter. How's your daughter doing? See, you notice them. You know what? People are going to see Christ in you, and the devil hates that. You're turning it back on him. Point five. To dispel this lie, to dispel this lie that God doesn't care you got to remember the times God has been so personal. I mean, go back to those times that God was really, really, really personal. You know, you're in Psalm 130. Now, would you just flip to Psalm 141 for a minute? Just, now, look at verse 3, where David prays to God. He said, set a guy, he said, set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Haven't you ever wanted to say something and you didn't? Was there divine restraint there? See, there was divine restraint. Now tell me, when they, you want to say it, and you say, uh-uh, I better shut my mouth. And there's some kind of a divine restraint there, see. Tell me God isn't personal. I mean, that was, who restrained you? Who knew that you shouldn't say that thing? Who was right there and knew you better not say this? 
Who restrained you? God, the Holy Spirit. Look at the next verse, Psalm 141, verse 4. Let not my heart be drawn to what is evil, to take part in, in, in wicked deeds with men who are evildoers. Let me not eat of their delicacies. Did you ever want to do something that you know you shouldn't do? And there was a divine restraint there. That's God and that's personal. His eye is always upon you. You know, he knows right where you are. He hears the slightest whisper of a prayer. Ever get a phone call? This has happened to me a number of times in my life. Just the right words at just the right time. Has that ever happened to you? Of course it has. Why? Because God knew. He knew exactly where you are. I mean, the, the practical aspects of your life bear out this scripture. See what a liar the devil is? I've never, did you just ever, how many times in your life have you ever averted an accident? Are there angels? I mean, I go back to Psalm 140 here. Look at Psalm 140, verse 4. Keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Protect me from men of violence. Who plan to trip my feet, proud men have hidden a snare for me. They spread cords of their net and they set traps along my path. Well, maybe proud men don't come after us, but there's another enemy. The devil comes after us. And he sets traps for us all over the place. And God has angels and he sees you and me falling into a spiritual snare, a spiritual trap. And he dispatches angels because he sees you right where you are. You know, what accidents didn't you have? What spiritual trap didn't you fall into? You will never know. And maybe God will reveal that to you when you get to heaven. But you will never know. I will never know. Because there's angels watching over us. It's, it's God who watch. The angels don't watch over you. The Father in heaven and the Lord Jesus Christ watch over you. And they send their angels. There's a trap for my child. Don't give the glory to angels. Give the glory to the Father. God is so personal. There's one more. Psalm 139, beginning in verse 13. If I say, no, beginning in verse 15. For you created my inmost being. You, I love this. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Listen to this. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. That's another weak word for the womb. Listen to this. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, that's just another name for the womb. When I was woven together, and the Hebrew word for woven together is embroidered. I mean, God embroidered you in your mother's womb. Look at this next verse, 16. All, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days were ordained for me. They were written for me in your book. Before every one of them came to be, how personal and special you are to God. The Father knit you. He embroidered you in your mother's womb. See, God's trying to tell us in this word, he planned you. He made you so very special. He ordained all your days. And when the Bible says he ordained all your days, that does not mean that, that, that your life is a pre-written book. It doesn't mean that. It just means that God ordained a very special plan or purpose to you. And all your free will choices he will use to move to that purpose he has for you. And he has, he has that plan and that purpose for nobody else. And now you got to know this. Let me get my two cents in here. He gave you and me special gifts to accomplish that purpose. He made you very, very special. And he didn't make you to be alone. He, he gave you something very special that you need to give away to other people to bring you into people's lives. You, have some, you are a very special child of God. Then would you just look at verses 17 and 18 and we're done? 
You wonder, does God ever think about me? Does God ever care? Does God care? How precious to me are your thoughts, O God? How vast is the sum of them? How many? Were I to count them, they would be as many, they would outnumber the sands of the sea. Does God care? His thoughts towards you are more than the sands of the sea. Think like this, if he loved you enough to give his son for your sins, if the son of God loved you enough to give all he had, if he gave that kind of love, will he ever let you go to yourself? No, will he ever let you to yourself? No. And so we've looked at that subtle lie that God doesn't care. We've seen that um, he leads us to believe that God is so busy with other people and bigger problems, you're not important. And then we saw that thinking is so contrary to Holy Scripture. And, and we saw the six points. Point number one, you've got to go to God's Word and, and just know who God is. That's the only way you can dispel that lie. God, you've searched me and known me. That's our memory work. He, he's present with us everywhere. Where can I hide from your spirit? That's point two. We've seen thirdly, when the devil has you believing God doesn't care, we get nervous, we get anxious, we start pitying ourselves, we lose our joy, and we can turn that all back on him. The fifth point we've seen is that God sees us right where we are and makes things happen that only he could make happen. We've seen how he embroidered us, especially in our mother's womb. We've seen that his thoughts toward us outnumber the sands of the sea. Are you convinced the devil's a liar, God is personal, and you are his very special child? Father, help us to understand that, how special we are to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.